This is Jim Harmer, and you're listening to the Improve Photography Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Thursday Boots. Winter is coming, and you're going to need a good pair of boots. Thursday Boot Company is a brand that you know you're going to love. As soon as you go to their website, you see the beautiful handcrafted leather products that they have, the same kind of things that your parents and grandparents bought for two or three times the price, uh, and now they make them with better materials. They've been featured in everything from Esquire to GQ to OK Style, Weight Watchers, and Page Six. And most importantly, you're going to love them. This year, get a pair of boots that will last season after season. Get a pair of boots handcrafted with the highest quality materials and sold at honest prices. Get a pair of Thursday boots. Head on over to thursdayboots.com and use the code FREESHIPTODAY. Money, power, and a great pair of boots are only two days away. Hey everybody and welcome back to the Improved Photography Podcast. I'm your host Jim Harmer and today I am joined by the Chief Photo Taco himself, Jeff Harmon. Hey Jeff. Hello. And also a writer on the website who also lives in the exact same town as Jeff Harmon. This is Kirk Bergman. Hey Kirk. Hey Jim. Well, good to talk with you guys. Uh, So much has happened. I feel like photography just got flipped on its head over the last couple weeks uh, with all of the changes to Lightroom and new cameras coming out. Uh, Really a very exciting, but also a little bit of a disconcerting time to be a photographer, honestly. Do you guys feel a little bit of anxiety that way? I'm not feeling anxiety, but there is uncertainty for sure, but I'm not anxious about it. (laughs) <laughs> I am a little bit anxious. I So I went to go shoot in Zion last week in southern Utah, uh, preparing a, a full-on, full-length landscape photography tutorial that will be coming out at the end of this month for the Photography Steel. And, uh, and of course, Improved Photography Plus members will get it as part of your membership. Anyway, I... I just I felt like a fish out of water because Lightroom is is changing so much and I'm not sure I my uh. workflow has totally changed and everything and anyway it's a interesting time we'll talk about that more but in the first half we wanted to talk a little bit about dealing with rejection as a photographer um, man I I think this is a cool topic uh, because it's something that every photographer deals with like a lot. Um, and yet it's not something that you can just get over by learning a new camera setting or something. Uh, if you guys, where do you see instances where you deal with rejection or, or things not going well as a photographer? I, I agree with you. It's a really important topic because in this social media age, all we see is like the best parts of people's lives. <laughs> we yes. see the, the really cool stuff they're doing and, and it's really easy to think, why am I like not having that? And photography is the same way. You can see these these people posting these really awesome photos out on social media, and, and thinking, I not only am I not getting shots like that, I don't even have opportunities like that. I don't I don't have the models that I, to shoot. I or I'm not getting any business coming my way. How are they being so successful? It's really easy to get down. So I really like the topic too. And uh, I have a couple of stories that I can share yeah. <laughs> about about being rejected. Um, so e- even as a hobbyist, uh, I I do some paid for work, some client work that uh, mainly family portraits. And uh, I had a senior shoot uh, over the summer. We did a senior shoot, 
and it went fine. We went to a place that I knew well. We'd shot there several times with other seniors. That's why they wanted to go there was they saw the photos from the other shoots. And, and we went there and we, we did it. It was fun. We had a good, a good time there. The light wasn't so great, but we made do and, and it worked out. Um, and then I, I went through my normal workflow where I include the customer, the client in my culling process. And but so like what I do is I, you're shooting? No, while when I go after I get home, I export the like uh, I like do an auto tone on all the photos. Just make them so that the lighting is, uh, the exposure looks close between them. Okay. And then just a quick auto tone, and then an export a, a ten twenty four sized image so that I can send it to them. And I say, don't worry about the colors, don't worry about the the lighting or anything. Just look at the facial face expressions and the things that you want and then pick the ones that are your favorites and those are the ones I'll I'll work on. And so I did that and they they picked their favorites and sent it back and then I I did my edits and and sent it to them and I was I was happy with it. I was pretty excited about it. I always check with my wife first. She's like the uh, quality assurance on <laughs> on our on our shoots and, and the edits and everything. <coughs> and the client hated them. Oh no. Absolutely hated the edits every single one of them wait hated like, the the you know the preset just auto-tune ones no, or the final? no 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 she hated the final edits that i did what? like spent like three hours editing the senior photos that she'd she'd sent me she hated every single thing i did and she said can you just send me the ones that you sent me the first time in bigger size <laughs> yeah. The auto-toned flats, they kind of had a bit of a blue tint to them because of the color, the, the white balance I had selected. And I didn't, I didn't worry about any of that as, on the shoot. I, I didn't worry about white balance at all. And, and she, she was like, yeah, I just want those. That's, <laughs> I felt so terrible. So like for like the next two weeks, everyone I came in contact with was like, hey, will you do me a favor? Which one of these is better? And I, I showed them a few <laughs> examples between the two. And everyone was picking the ones I had edited. Like, yeah, that looks really good. I don't know what's wrong with those other ones. <laughs> and wow. I'm like, I just can't believe this. Huh, interesting. So was That's it a, a specific effect that she didn't like? So the, the main thing she didn't like was her daughter's hair was not blonde enough in the <laughs> okay. ones I edited. Huh. All right. She wanted, like, white hair. <laughs> And there was some color to the hair, and anyway, and, oh. and it was pretty much white in the. Did you forget to use the daughter blondness slider in Lightroom? <laughs> I did. Yeah, I, I missed that one. <laughs> yeah. So, yep. so what does it do to you uh, when you get rejected like that? Uh, well, it, does it shake your confidence? It de- it absolutely did because I felt like I mean this was just this last part. I've been doing this for several years now. I've actually not had anyone ask me for the auto toned versions <laughs> ever, and I was like, man, did I really like? Did I over process it? Did I what did I do? What did it look terrible? But and that's why I was seeking out this validation from everybody I was coming in contact with because. I wanted to make sure I wasn't like going back to what I know I did my first year of editing where I know I was over processing all kinds of things and, and was doing things that, that looked worse than, than the originals, but I didn't feel like it was that way. And and I was seeking out validation for sure because they definitely killed my confidence when they said they wanted the auto-toned ones. Kirk, you do a lot of, of real estate photography. Do you face that in dealing with real estate agents? Yeah, it's, um, it's weird because when you you shoot a house 
to the style that matches your portfolio. I mean, every agent is going to look at your portfolio online and decide if they want to hire you as the photographer based on what they see. Um, and so you just, you shoot to that style because it's yours and you own it and that's your unique perspective of, of shooting a house. Um, but there's often times where an agent will come back and say, I don't like the way that you did this. Can we have a reshoot? Can you do it from this angle or can you do it with whatever style? And it's just, it, it always kind of blows my mind because you showed them what you have to offer. They liked it enough to hire you, but then they want to change it to be something else. They want you to change to fit their mold instead of them liking you for who you are and how you shoot. Um, and so it, it kind of sets things off to a rocky start when you're trying to develop a relationship with a real estate agent because now you don't know what to do. You you want the business and you want to establish a new business relationship with this person, but you have to decide, well, do I shoot how they want me to shoot or do I shoot how I shoot because that's that's who I am as as an artist and as a photographer. Um, so yeah, it's it's really it's really strange. And yeah, it does, like Jeff said, it, it kind of sets you off and just makes you lose a little bit of confidence when you start going forward and, and shooting more with them. So can you give us a specific example? Like what's something that a client has complained to you about? Um, so sky replacements are really important in real estate. Uh, when you're shooting and it's an overcast sky or you're doing a twilight shoot where you're photographing the house at sunset and the sun and the sky doesn't cooperate like you want them to, you can just go into Photoshop and, and just put in a different sky. Um, it's it's pretty easy, pretty straightforward to do. Um, so there's actually this one um, real estate agent that I work with uh, somewhat regularly. Um, every time I do a, a twilight shoot for her, the sky almost never cooperates. And so you have to do a sky replacement. And so I do, I think it looks like a really beautiful sky. But whenever I deliver the files to her, she always comes back and says that there's, there's nothing wrong with it say that the colors are too saturated it doesn't look like a real sky oh it's a photo of a real sky like i'm not just digitally creating a sky i'm just putting a different photograph in there (laughs) and so she'll she'll say well can you give me a more normal looking sky (laughs) and so i don't know what normal means and so i have to ask a lot of questions well do you want this do you want clouds that look like this do you want this as it turns out she just prefers most of the time a boring looking sky um and so I usually end up just erasing all of my Photoshop edits and just delivering a, a sky that I think looks totally unimpressive and doesn't isn't very attractive. Um, but usually at the end of the day, that's what I'm going for. Yeah, you know, in both of the examples that you guys gave, and I could add a few of my own, um, the problem was the client knew editing had been done and that um, a lot of clients don't like that. Um, just like when you're trying to sell landscape print, first words out of everybody's mouth are, oh, has, has this it been, been photoshopped? photoshopped? Was this photoshopped? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. first words out of everybody's mouth. Uh, and I, and it seems to uh, it's the same thing with, with portrait photography and real estate photography, anything. Maybe it's just a, a matter of client education, of uh, just letting clients know, what's happening to the photos that it's, you know, this is the industry best practice and maybe, and, Oh, I guess one other thing, here's a, here's something that I think maybe, maybe could come in as something that could help is, um, when I'm doing tutorials and stuff, I used to show 
This is the original unretouched photo, like in the video when I'm doing a video yeah. tutorial. And yeah. then I would show it after editing. And I heard so often people were like, well, I like the original better. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. so frustrating <laughs> when somebody says that. But I heard it all the time. And so I decided I'm going to start switching this up. I'm going to show the finished photo. And then I'll say, but it didn't come straight out of the camera like this. This is what it looked like straight out of the camera. And suddenly everybody says, oh, it looks 10 times better that oh, way. Really? <laughs> uh, I think because, you know, you like the you like the photo. People, I mean, we're editing it for a reason. It looks good, right? If you're doing a good job of it, I would hope you are. Um, and the problem really is that people just know that it's edited. And so if they see the finished photo and like it uh, and then find out uh, and then see what it would have been without it, uh, I see better results so maybe that's something you could try i don't know how that would work in your culling situation jeff because you don't want to yeah. edit all the photos first no no not at all and you know there's a reason i do that it's because i've found uh they pick different ones than i would have they and they also pick so I, I have a certain number that i sell of how many edits and then they have to pick the ones that they want to do and then they pay for more if they want more and they always pick more they always pick more than uh, is in the package and then to pay more money to to get the others edited but they always pick different ones than i would have all every single time and like i don't know why you picked that one. that's not a great photo but whatever they they like the the way the person is in the photo better it's like their more natural self I, i'm guessing and uh, and so that's why i do it and you're right i don't want to spend a lot of time I like that part of my process. A lot of the clients like it too. That's kind of one of the reasons they've said that they wanted to, to work with me was because they knew that they were getting that. And um, so I don't want to stop doing it, but I also was, <laughs> it was a, it was a real blow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I can see that. That is, that is tough. I wonder, I, I wonder if just part of that client education could happen on your first contact with a client or, or maybe even on the website, you know, you could show, after photos and before sure. as you're explaining the editing process i just i wonder if that would work i've never tried it with uh with you know clients but it, it works great for for tutorials and articles <laughs> on the website and stuff i'm telling you as soon as i switch to that i almost never hear uh looked better before the edit it, it just almost entirely disappeared huh yeah that's interesting Especially with black and whites. It's impossible to post a black and white online and have everybody say, oh, that looks great. I, it's impossible. It will never happen. Every single time somebody says, I wonder what it would look like in color. <laughs> <It's just> <laughs> every time. <laughs> I have a hard time picking when I want to go black and white. I almost never see it as like, oh, this would be better in black and white. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it works. Yeah, it's funny. Anyway, uh, Alex Lawson posted an article on him on improvephotography.com. We've had some great articles going up every day. Um, thanks to our awesome team of writers. And uh, he had some tips for for dealing with rejection. And some of these uh, have really helped me over the years. Um, one of them is do not ask your clients to make you a Pinterest board of other photographers' <laughs> work. Uh, and this is a, a really good point, I think. Uh, I have done this before where you go to the client and say, you know, give me a Pinterest board or do whatever, you know, find me some photos that you really like and then we can uh, go for a similar, similar style. 
the problem is that they're uh, they'll often pick things that are just unrealistic because it's a totally different location that, than what's available to you. You know, they'll pick this awesome urban city vibe, and you live in Caldwell, Idaho, and that's a little bit tough to pull off. Um, <laughs> yeah. Or you know, a lot of times the photos are just really beautiful because it's a really stunningly beautiful model uh, in the photo, and when it goes to a normal person, you know, the turns out the photo really wasn't that creative. It's just it's just a beautiful person that was captured in a decent way and so just a lot changes and so it, it seems to me a mistake to um, to intentionally build up the customer's unrealistic expectations before the shoot yeah, that happens all the time in real estate photography too an agent will say i want a photo that looks like this and they'll show you a photo of a 1.2 million dollar mansion on the on the foothills um, when they have a $250,000 listing and there's no way, no amount of lipstick you can put on that pig and make it look like that. Um, and so adjusting those expectations when you go in is super important and making sure they understand this is what I can deliver. This is what any photographer can deliver out of this property. Yeah, totally true. And and the same thing when you're trying to build up a portfolio, you know, you're trying to build up a portfolio. And so you go to your house, your neighbor's house, a friend's house, whatever. And and it's good to have some, you know, $100,000 inexpensive homes in your portfolio to show what you can do there. But it's never going to look like the magazine issue because they, they don't show $100,000 homes in a magazine. They show the big yeah. expensive things. And so it's, yep. it's just, uh, it, it will look different. Uh, when, when you have that expensive home or a beautiful model, etc. So, so having the expectation of that is uh, is important. Just to realize that you're going to do your best, but this is just it's just a different subject, and that's all there is to it. So, what do you do when it happens? Uh, how do you get back on your feet after you've been knocked down a couple times? Getting back to it as fast as you can, I think, is is the best thing. I had a shoot with I'm like <clears throat> the next weekend. A similar shoot. We actually went to the same spot and, uh, you know, we, the lighting actually worked out a little better there. So that, that contributed, <laughs> but we had a, a nice sunset that night where we didn't on the shoot that I was on the, the, where I had the customer tell me they didn't like it. Um, but still the style was really, really close, really close to the same kind of style and, and editing. And I didn't change anything. I just, I'm, okay, I'm, I'm, I validated with everyone that the editing still looked good. Uh, it's just this client didn't like it. And so I, I did it the same way with the next one and they loved it. It was great. So, I thought, okay, it was just that client. They just, they had a different view on what they wanted out of the shoot. And, uh, and I'm just going to move on. Cool. Uh, one that helps for me is, and the one that Alex mentioned in his article is to work on, is to work on personal projects as well. If all you're doing is working for clients, then your, not your self-esteem, but your photography self-esteem is going to be whatever the client says. That's all the work you're producing. Uh, and so, you know, it's going to be reliant on how each individual client uh, says they like your work or not. And if you get two or three kind of sour apples in there, it can really sideline you. Uh, so doing personal projects and just things that you enjoy, you know, you're a portrait photographer. Well, don't stop going out and taking landscapes on the weekend if you really enjoy that, uh, because then you, you kind of build up your own, uh, like, you know, even if a client wasn't happy or whatever, you still feel like I'm still producing good work. And so you can, you can control a little bit better of what happens. 
Well, in the second half of this podcast, we're going to talk about some unconventional landscape photography tips, and I'm going to share a cool tool with you uh, for editing landscape photography uh, that I've been trying out and I really have liked. But before we do that, we want to take a second and thank our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. HelloFresh makes farm-to-box great recipes delivered right to your doorstep. They take fresh ingredients, put it in an insulated, recyclable box, and they'll take it right to your doorstep. When our first box arrived that they sent for me to try out, I was a little skeptical because I'm not great in the kitchen, I'll be the first to admit. But my wife said, all right, we've got to try this. Let's see Let's see what it's like. And you know what? It was a lot of fun. They had different ingredients, things that I'm not used to using in, in recipes. And so it just made it a little bit more of an experience to cook something. And the recipe was really great. They sent you a really nice recipe card so that you can make it again as, as often as you want. Most of the meals take 30 minutes to, to make, and they really just require you know minimal equipment, basic stuff to, to make your meals. They source fresh ingredients with the exact quantities you need, so there's no waste at all. And they have light fall meals and have just introduced breakfast options. Delicious ingredients you'll love to eat. Simple recipes you'll live to cook. Get cooking for less than $10 a meal. For $30 off your first week of deliveries, visit HelloFresh.com and enter Improve 30 when you subscribe. Give it a try. Well, thank you to Chris Mowers, one of the writers on Improved Photography, uh, who posted an awesome article called Five Unconventional Landscape Tips. Uh, and we kind of want to use that as a basis for the second half of the podcast today. Uh, there are some really good points that he brought up and some others that we also want to share with you. Jeff, I'm going to kick it over to you for the first one. All right. So his first suggestion was capturing detail. Which is a, a thing that I think a lot of landscape photographers, I, I know I struggle with this. I want to get the big, big scene, especially because I live here in Utah with these these massive mountains on both sides of me in the valley here in Salt Lake. And I want to capture them. I want to get those monster mountains in the photos. And that, that usually means uh, fairly wide angles, although I do, I do capture the mountains in some uh, longer focal lengths occasionally doing some panoramas. And I love doing that. But the point that, uh, that Chris made in the article was there's other things in the landscape that are right there at your feet. He had a really nice photo of some leaves, fall leaves that were on the ground. And they looked beautiful. It was a really, a really nice shot. And I am terrible at this. I'm really, really bad at noticing kind of the smaller details, the the flowers that are are there in the scene. Just getting them and getting focused in on on that group, and not trying to get the mountains behind them, which is always what I jump to and what I'm focused on when I'm out doing landscape photography. My wife, on the other hand, notices it constantly. Like I'll be setting up on my tripod and. And trying to frame the shot or trying to do a pano and taking all these HDR bracketed shots and, and spending all this time on it. And then I'll, I'll look around and she's off taking pictures of those flowers and those leaves and the, the little things that are around in the scene. And, uh, and she ends up with some really fun and awesome shots that are, are sometimes that's even been the best shot we've got out of our landscape uh, shoot that we went out and did. Uh, versus the ones that I took of the wide scenes because it looked like every other wide scene I've taken of the area. Nothing that was really different or unusual about it. So it's a really good suggestion looking around for the the smaller details that are there in landscapes. I totally agree. I make this mistake 
probably more than you do, Jeff. I'm bad at this. I, I too, I'll always see the wide shots. And uh, th- this week when I was when I was shooting, I there was like this, not a waterfall. It was just like a little drip of water coming off this uh, little mossy ledge in the Narrows in Zion. And, uh, and I, I was shooting video and I thought, Hey, you know, I should get in there and, you know, get a little slow motion shot of just this tiny little detail. And as I watched back to some, some of the video I've been producing, I thought, ah, you know, that's a big missing element that I often miss is those little detail shots of things that are happening. It, I'm just shooting wide, 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 wide. And I never get to those beautiful details that just help you appreciate uh, the scene and the story of what's happening. Um, I, I think with still photography, the reason that I have been so held back from that is I, I never feel like the the detail shot is the hero shot, you know? Yeah, uh, right. It's, it's a good shot, but it's rare that I see a detail shot that I'm like, whoa, that is, you know, the shot of, of the wedding, the shot of the shoot, whatever, the shot of the, you know, landscape shoot, whatever. Uh, it, it, they're good photos, but it's rare that I see one that's just like dominates. And that's the, the thing, probably because I don't do it enough. Right. I, I think the detail shots can convey more emotion than the big wide angle shots can. From this last trip that we took down to southern Utah um, with the riders a month ago or so, um, I got a shot of some of the mud cracks when the mud gets all saturated with water then dries out and and cracks up. Um, I got a shot of that and I had zoomed in really close to it and got some really nice detail from it. And it ended up being one of my favorite shots from uh, the entire the entire role that I took, um, that weekend. Uh, so yeah, I think stopping and, and taking a look at the smaller scene can, can help, um, describe the emotion of what you're feeling better than the white, the white angle shots can. Yeah, I agree. Uh, that's a good way of putting it is that, that the detail shots are expressing the mood of what's happening. I, I think that's true. And like, I, I after I kind of realized this in myself that I was missing those shot those shots, I watched a couple other videos and I thought, oh, you know, that is what's missing. Like it's missing that shot where, you know, somebody's hiking through the narrows and it's just a little slow motion, close up shot of one foot stepping in the water, uh, right, or, you know, right. splashing the puddle or just the sun kind of reflecting, uh, in somebody's sunglasses or just those little detail shots that, that give it, give you the feeling of being there instead of just the big wide visual of this is what things look like. Uh, another one that he suggested in here is uh, is uh, in talking about the clouds. So Jeff and I were talking about this before um, before we started recording. I have been testing out a tool. They've been advertising like crazy on on Facebook. Uh, a little program called Landscape Pro. And when I saw the little preview of this, I'll confess. I I confess. I thought. This is a kid tool. I do this the professional way. I know how to do this in Photoshop. And so what it does is it's just a program for sky replacements. And they have a bunch of sky replacements in there. You can use your own. So you can take a landscape and and, uh, put a a sky replacement on there. And I thought, this is the stupidest thing. I know how to do a sky replacement. I can do a professional job of this. I don't need your kid tool. Um, And I tried out the software kind of on a whim, really. And... 
ah, it's really good. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> uh, can I can I do just as good of a job in Photoshop? Yeah, but it would probably take me over an hour to do some of the things that I can do in one minute in the program. It's wow. really cool. Um, so, so the way it works is you bring in your photo, and it, the brushes are. Uh, different elements like it has a brush for rocks land water trees and you just brush just gen- just loosely brush the different areas of the scene so it kind of knows what's there uh, you brush sky or clouds or sun um, it just but but very loosely you don't have to like go crazy and do everything um, just to kind of give it an idea of what's where in the in the scene and then it will detect where the sky is and even if like I did one that I had taken in Zion that I was a hard replacement I'd spent some time on it and it just didn't quite come out and so I checked it into landscape pro <gasps> it was done in like 30 seconds and wow, it nice. looked good uh I was very humbled and very impressed it was really <laughs> cool <laughs> have you guys seen the seen the program or checked it out I've seen it. I haven't ever used it, though. I haven't downloaded it and tried it. I've heard really good things from other photographers that do use it. I, I hadn't heard of anybody else using it, and so I felt dumb buying it, but it's cool. And it's, it's inexpensive. I think it's like 40 bucks, and there's a free trial as well. But, uh, it, yep, I'm impressed. It was really cool. And they have a whole bunch of skies in there. You know, they have, well, all kinds of stuff in there as well. Or you can bring in your own skies. Um which is, uh, which is nice. So yeah, it's cool. Like even when you do the sky replacement, so I did one where there was uh, a river running, running through the middle of the scene and then mountains and trees kind of, and some of the trees went over the sky. And so that's a tough replacement where it's tree and sky behind it is doable, but it's difficult. Um, and I just kind of generally brush. This is a f- area of filtered trees, and boom, it pretty much nailed it right off. And one one better than that is it also took that ro- that image of the sky and made a very realistic looking reflection of that sky in the water. And that's wow. when I was like, okay, this is. Did you have <laughs> so? Did you have to brush in the water too? Like tell it there's water here. Yeah, you tell it that yeah. there's water in that spot. Yeah, okay. But again, the brushing, it's not like you don't have to be perfect at all. You're just generally saying what's in different areas of the scene. All right. Yeah, I'm going to give this a serious challenge. <laughs> I have a portrait, a few portraits I've been working on that have that. It's There's trees, and it's right now in Utah where there's the leaves are gone. So that makes it really hard. You have those itty-bitty branches coming off the tops of the trees there that are so hard to mask well and, yep. and get into the to the sky replacement. So I'm going to I'm going to give that a, sh- a try and see cuz if it'll save me time on doing portrait retouching then totally worth it. Yeah, it was it was pretty neat. And I I guess not to sideline the conversation at all, but <laughs> maybe just to to open it a little bit. Um I I've been mentioning on the podcast that AI is coming to to photo editing and it's coming fast. And that's why I really feel like you know, as much as I hate the way that this has been done by Adobe to push us to the all new Lightroom, um, boy, I, I do see the wisdom behind it. And yeah. when I see programs like this, like Landscape Pro that, you know, where me, a professional photographer who's very experienced in Photoshop, I mean, I've, I've spent 10 years working with it, like almost full time. 
uh, I, I know Photoshop and when it can do something that I can't do, uh, and it can do it in, in a matter of seconds, it, uh, it's really saying something. I, I yeah. mean, it, it's clear that something big is happening in, in the photo editing space. Yeah, I'm going to be talking a lot more about that on the, the next uh, Photo Taco episode as well. That, that uh, About Lightroom CC, about Lightroom Classic, where it's going, which, by the way, just for people that are listening now, if you rely on Lightroom, don't upgrade right now. <laughs> don't, don't go to Lightroom Classic uh, CC because there's many, many bugs, especially if you have a large catalog. It has really got problems, so don't don't go there yet. Uh, they need to fix some bugs before you go go upgrade to that. I do also want to clear though, real quick, since we're off on this tangent. Uh, Windows 10 follow creators update and uh, Mac OS High Sierra. I've tested both of those pretty extensively now for for quite a while since they've both been released, and I don't I can't attribute any issues to either in either Lightroom or Photoshop to the operating system upgrades. Adobe just kind of nuked their own product is all. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, interesting. Well, I'm looking forward to that photo taco. That should be a good episode. I'm very interested in that topic right now. Well, we want to share with you the doodads of the week, but also I want to put a call out. I mentioned a few episodes ago uh, that we're looking for eight people who are doing something interesting uh, in photography. Um, whatever it is, if you have something interesting, an interesting perspective uh, uh, to share in photography, something, an interesting technique or something you want to share, uh, I'm going to do a series of interviews on the podcast with listeners. Um, and so we're looking for eight people. We did get quite a few applications, but I am looking for some uh, some additional. And no fear, if I haven't responded to you yet, we're going to be getting to all of them at once. Um, but but if you are interested, email me at podcast at improvephotography.com and just let me know a little bit about you and why uh, you might be an interesting interview to have on the show. And also, Improve Photography Plus is about to get awesomer. Um, that's a word. Uh, with the <laughs> with the photography steel coming out in just a few weeks is going to be 100% focused on landscape and nature photography. Uh, so you'll be getting that as well as um, I'm having Felix Hernandez, an amazing photographer. I'm flying to uh, to Mexico in January to record nice. for three days a tutorial with him. This guy is awesome i mean crazy cool okay so jim do a model of the millennial falcon oh that'd be a good one so yeah this is the guy that does the model photography like little sets of of you know models uh and then he makes them and and he puts them in real landscapes and stuff and he uses like you know filtered flower and stuff for snow on his sets and it looks incredible i mean they're nuts you got to check out his work on 500 px uh he i really do think he's the most creative photographer i have seen ever um and so i'm excited to work with him we're gonna have that tutorial coming to improve photography plus um so the next few months of improve photography plus are looking cool as well as i'm doing portfolio reviews uh for members of improve photography plus so log in and you'll see the details there about how to do a live on the phone portfolio review with me all right the doodads of the week jeff what do you have for us this week I don't remember if I recommended this one before, but I've been using it recently. We got all kinds of seniors and family portraits I've been working on, and I love this light modifier. It's it's inexpensive. It's sixty bucks. I talked about it on a photo taco episode once, but as a doodad here, it's the Photodiox F60 Quick Collapse Flash Softbox, 
and it's it's just great. It collapses down so that you can uh, travel. You know, it's it's pr- pretty uh, portable, and then it's just like these little snaps that you do. It's it's super easy to get it set up and and going, and it does it produces really nice soft light coming out of that flash. It's great. I love it. Um, it's it's really changed my portrait photography. Uh, having that softbox is really good. Awesome. Uh, my recommendation this week is for the Rode VideoMic Pro Plus. Uh, this is the n- newish mic from Rode. Um, they had the Rode VideoMic Pro that's like the industry standard for shotgun mics on a DSLR. Yeah, they are right. everywhere. Um, and this one, this one adds some really impressive features in addition to just better audio quality, which looks, uh, sounds, I guess I watched a bunch of YouTube videos reviewing it and the audio quality does seem significantly improved. It also has a 100 hour internal battery, uh, that's rechargeable with micro USB. That's pretty darn cool. And this is the killer feature. It turns on and off automatically when you turn your camera on and off. Yes, thank you, world, for making my life better. I always leave the mic on and it dies, or I leave it off and it gets the the camera audio. Uh, So this thing is awesome. All right, Kirk, what do you have for us? Um, I once recommended the uh, Black Diamond Spot headlamp. Um, I purchased that before we took our trip down south um, to replace kind of a junky old headlamp that I had that wasn't very good. Um, it was a really great headlamp. It's super bright. Uh, it's got multiple settings. It's got a little touch interface. You just have to tap the side and it'll change some of the settings. Um, it's got the night vision with the red LED. Uh, it was comfortable. It's cheap. I think it was like 40 bucks, 35 $40. So if you're looking for a new headlamp, can't go wrong with that. Awesome. And I, uh, I failed to mention one thing on the Rode video mic. I ordered the mic before. And it came, and I'm really glad I was watching carefully uh, because Amazon sent me the box of the new Rode VideoMic Pro with the old Rode VideoMic in oh, the snap. box. Uh, what? And I almost didn't notice it, and then I was like, wait a minute. This is not right. Uh, this, this isn't the same battery door, and this isn't the same button. Uh, and sure enough, it was not the right microphone somebody had taken the new box and put the old mic in it uh to sell to me um and that was that was ships and sold by amazon um wow i was very surprised and then i went to Rode's website and Rode has a huge warning on the top of the screen saying do not buy from amazon uh because they're not an authorized retailer etc um so Definitely recommend get that one on B&H. <laughs> I, I'm glad I caught it. Anyway. No kidding. Well, guys, it's been great to talk with you. Thank you for taking your time to be on the, on the show today and for everything you contribute to improve photography. And listeners, we'll see you in another seven days. 